Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for listening. This is Renee and this is Embodied Astrology. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the Gemini full moon that's exact on November 22nd, 2018. Before I begin, I just want to say a couple of words about what Embodied Astrology is. It is an ongoing research project that I undertake as a person who has a 15-year career now in somatic movement education. I've been a yoga teacher and meditation instructor for that long and have a lot of training in somatic technique. And somatic uh, is a word that basically is of the body. So how do we connect to the innate intelligence in our bodies? I'm also an astrologer and am the daughter of an astrologer and have grown up with this language my whole life. I appreciate astrology as a symbolic language and as a creative interpretation of symbolic language. It's a way that humans tell stories. For as long as we've been on this planet, we have looked up at the sky, we've noticed the seasonal fluctuations of light, the daily fluctuations of light, the monthly fluctuations of light, and we've told stories about this, and we have noticed how these uh, cycles and seasons of light affect our experiences here on Earth through our mood, our activities, our emotions and thoughts, etc., Everything changes on the earth and it changes in response to light and harmonics. And this is basically what astrology is. It is telling stories about our experiences here on earth through the language of light and harmony, uh, the light and harmony of the sun and the moon, as well as the planets, the asteroids, and hypothetical points. So as I talk about astrology, this is where I'm coming from. And I want to say thank you to all of you who enjoy this podcast and who support this work. Uh, It's been a couple of years now doing the Embodied Astrology podcast and offering free guided meditations with every podcast and audio horoscopes for all 12 signs. For me, this work uh, is really important at this time. It's a way to connect to sacredness and to come into a sense of balance in my own life. Um, Religion doesn't really work for me, and I don't think it works for a lot of people in a time when formulas and formulaicness uh, feel really rigid and often uh, seem to contradict um, their own intentions. Um, And astrology feels very open, it feels very creative, it feels exploratory and uh, individual in a lot of ways. It's not a very judgmental language or doesn't have to be. So I enjoy sharing this with you, and I know that it can be a wonderful resource and a wonderful tool uh, to help contextualize your experience here on the planet and um, give a sense of meaning and sacredness when it's really important to have one. So if you've enjoyed Embodied Astrology and if it's uh, done something for you, please consider becoming a sustaining subscriber and making a recurring monthly donation. You can do that at embodiedastrology.com. Just hit the donate button. You can also make a one-time donation. But for those of you who are monthly subscribers, I'm offering free gifts um, or gifts. I guess they're not totally free, but you can become a subscriber at any amount per month, uh, just a couple of dollars or many dollars as you choose. Um, And you'll get a zodiacal season planner. So Sagittarius season begins with this full moon and the planner includes about 20 pages of really detailed information on Sagittarius season and kind of a weekly planning layout that includes lunar cycles and planetary transits and uh, gives suggestions for how to work with the astrological energy. So that's for subscribers. I welcome your one-time donations as well. 
And thank you so much for sharing this work, for pressing the heart and the like and making comments buttons and um, forwarding on through your emails. It's really such a great uh, form of support and really appreciate you all. Another announcement before I begin is that for those of you who are in Portland, Oregon, on December 22nd, so the winter solstice, I'll be offering a two and a half hour workshop, a ritual and full moon uh, winter solstice intention setting um, at North Portland Yoga. There's a sliding scale registration and more information is on my website embodiedastrology.com and also northportlandyoga.com. And so if you want to join me to just welcome in this new season as we go through the solstice, that'll be a really lovely space. I'll also be offering a 2019 event. I'll be giving more information on that in the next podcast. And finally, I have just a couple of readings left for December. And so throughout the month of December, I'm offering short reports. These are 15, 20, and 25 minute recordings that I'll do for your chart based on specific questions or just a general reading as you choose and select. Um, these re reports are great holiday gifts. So if you want to give someone a really unique solstice gift, um, this would be a, a good choice, or if you want to get a short report for yourself, you can find out more at embodiedastrology.com as well. Uh, okay, so let's get into the astrology for this full moon. I just want to say that um, it has been some really crazy news lately, and I want to extend a really big psychic hug to everyone and just say like, I'm with you. I feel you. Um, I know that we're together right now. I know that there's a lot of us who are going through some really immense and powerful changes. Um, you don't really need astrology to tell you this, although astrology will tell you this, but definitely everything that is arising in global consciousness and kind of collective awareness at this time is pretty potent stuff. And, um, this full moon chart is a powerful chart. So we have a full moon occurring on November 22nd, and this is Indigenous Peoples Day, uh, otherwise known as American Thanksgiving. Um, Indigenous Peoples Day is, I think, um, a better idea than American Thanksgiving. Um, we're all Indigenous somewhere, and it's important to remember that, especially now, as uh, whiteness is kind of a, a global force that consumes the bodies of billions of people, um, regardless of their skin color. You know, there's a homogenizing force that swirls across the globe and spreads ideals of white supremacy. Um, and this force uproots all of us. It divorces all of us from our indigeneity, from our ancestral gifts, from our histories, from our lineages, from our homelands. Um, it takes away our power. It uh, seeks to make us all the same. And that force is incredibly destructive. And American Thanksgiving is a Thanksgiving that celebrates that lineage, uh, that celebrates colonialism and um, 
I, who wants to celebrate that? Not me. Let's celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day and you can still celebrate it by having a feast, by sharing nourishment with your family and your loved ones and by talking about your ancestry, by talking about your roots, um, potentially by giving money or having some kind of event that coincides with this celebration where you raise funds to help support Indigenous Peoples' efforts. That would be a great way to celebrate the holiday, or maybe you spark up some conversations with your relatives and you talk about history. I don't know, but um, just want to honor that uh, Indigenous Peoples Day on November 22nd is the day of this full moon. And the full moon occurs at zero degrees Gemini, which means that the sun is at zero degrees Sagittarius. And Sagittarius to me is the, the sign, um, the energetic quality that most uh, fully feels like an embodiment of ancestry. And a lot of people will give this to Capricorn or to Pisces, but I would say it's Sagittarius in the sense that Sagittarius is the place in the zodiac where the galactic core is found. This is literally like the center of our galaxy. It's where the galaxy is basically spewing forth itself all the time and also eating itself. It's the black hole, right? And so when I think of indigeneity and like where we've all come from, um, for me at least, it feels appropriate to remember all the way back to the star nations, that this is where our bodies have come from, that our bodies are literally made of star stuff, and that as humans we have developed into what we are at the moment, but what we are at the moment is a moment of evolution. And I'm going to talk more about this idea of like humanness and the thing that it is as I get into the astrology. But um, the first thing that kind of stands out to me is the potency and the, the like explosive energy of these degree angles. So the first degrees of any sign have a particular kind of force to them. It's the initiation or the beginning of a new energy, but that energy doesn't yet know what it is. So zero degrees of Gemini, where the moon is full and it's fully reflecting the light of the sun, is the beginning of uh, mental energy. And Gemini is a sign that symbolizes the mind and our mental cognitive linguistic capacity. And everything that goes with that. And so if you just uh, ponder for a moment the power of language and the power that language has to shape reality, this is Gemini. And all we need to, to do is say fake news. And you know what that is because language is an incredible force. And anyone who speaks multiple languages will tell you that they have a different sensation and embodied experience speaking one language as compared to another. Um, speaking English, for me as a native English speaker, feels so different than speaking French, which is a language I learned later. But when I speak French, I connect to a totally different part of myself. My cadence changes, the tone of voice changes, how I feel my body and my um, resonance completely change. And when I speak English, it's something that's different. And this is what the, the power of language is. It's a power to communicate not just ideas and information, but really a, a beingness state. And we can see this culturally, you know, that cultures that share um, languages are often similar in their vibration and in their resonance or um, kind of the, the embodiment uh, that 
happens when these are the sounds that you're hearing all the time. So zero degrees Gemini is this reflection of communicative ability and um, all of the unknown that kind of that, that can come with that. And here I want to just bring in the myth of Pandora. And I've been reading mythology recently, and, and Pandora has an interesting mythology, and I don't feel equipped enough to really recount it, except to say that part of the mythology of this character is curiosity, and the way that curiosity can be uh, destructive, basically, that it's like, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. And the mind really gets into explaining and uh, talking and chattering. And it's like this and this and this and this and this and this. And as the mind seeks to know, uh, it tears things apart. It doesn't see their wholeness. It um, thinks that it knows something and that it spreads misinformation. It's like, oh, I know what that thing is. Let me tell you. And because the mind cannot ever grasp the wholeness of anything, you know, we only have our one perspective, then anything that the mind thinks that it knows and then that it, it says that this is misinformation, basically, it's gossip. And Gemini is a sign that is known for gossip and for sharing its opinions and for changing its opinions. And the United States has a president who is a very Gemini president, Sun conjunct Uranus in Gemini. Um, this two-sidedness, like here's one thing, then the next day it's another thing, very Gemini, because this is what the mind does, is it goes, oh this, no that, oh this, no that. And it plays around with different ideas and it really wants to be right and <laughs> Gemini is also associated with um, childhood and kind of like ages three and four when a lot of people are really getting um, a, a grip on their language faculty and and you see this in kids where they're like I know this thing I know this thing and they really want to tell you but then they're also really curious and they have a lot of questions and then they get the answer to the question and then they're very certain and then the, the answer changes or something like that. And so this energy of inquisitive curiosity, mental um, agility, and lots of information and lots of ideas or questions, and then the power of language and the power of the mind, this is Gemini. All right, so at the full moon, we have the full moon in Gemini, and this is to say that the emotional awareness that we're all dealing with is an emotional awareness of a lot of information, potentially of gossip, and a lot of mental stimulation, right? This is the, the energy that's kind of affecting all of us in our emotional sphere. But what is being reflected at this time is the light of the sun, and the sun is in the sign Sagittarius. It's just entering into the uh, tropical sign of Sagittarius, and the sun is forming a conjunction with the planet Jupiter, and Jupiter just entered Sagittarius on November 9th. So what is Sagittarius? I mentioned before that Sagittarius is the birthplace of our galaxy. It's the galactic core. It is where all wisdom originates from. And as a zodiacal energy, Sagittarius expresses the pursuit of wisdom and the desire to grow, to grow and to expand our experience, to deepen knowledge, to understand the meaning. Why are we here? What is our origin? What does it all mean? And so Sagittarius has rulership in astrology over philosophy, religion, uh, 
any kind of pursuit of meaning, and so then this includes high-level courts and judges, as well as teachers and gurus, and these are and lawyers. So these are the people and the methods through which meaning is made and conveyed and um, uh, verified or, or something, you know, declared as true. And then we also have activities that can expand one's mind and knowledge. So we have um, uh, upper level academics, you know, the education that you choose, colleges, universities, graduate schools, etc. Any kind of quest that one will undertake in order to open their mind or to pursue new knowing. And so then this includes long distance travel, as well as um, the idea in general of borders and boundaries and difference and people who speak different languages or who have different customs because of the way that when we travel, our minds open. So Gemini is short distance information. It's the kind of information you get from your neighbors or your coworkers. It's like you're maybe not totally the same, but you're the same enough. And that's real different than information you're going to get from a foreign news source or by literally leaving and going to a different country, you're going to get such a different perspective. And so when we're considering the zodiacal energy of any sign, it's important to always consider the opposing sign because there are not really 12 signs, there are actually six polarities. And so the polarity between Gemini and Sagittarius describes the polarity of learning and knowledge. It is how belief systems and ideologies become common knowledge or opinion. It's how gossip spreads and then becomes truth. I'm doing air quotes as I'm saying that quote unquote truth. This comes from a lot of times it comes from gossip um, or a story, you know. And so if you think about something like uh, the Bible um, or the Christian religion, you know that this is basically the spreading of a story and we don't even really know what the story is. Like maybe there was this guy who existed named Jesus and he was uh, talking about love and neighborliness. But then we have all these disciples and then people who talk to them and then other people who are interpreting them all uh spreading some kind of variation of a story and those stories get distorted and manipulated over time but they're they become truth they become religion they become beliefs worldviews ideologies and then the beliefs worldviews ideologies affect people's minds it affects how they learn how information is shared how they're socialized etc and so gemini is the information that we get close in it's what your uh, sibling whispers to you from across the dinner table, like, Psh, don't tell mom. Um, but that information is coming from somewhere and will uh, eventually lead to something. And the way that gossip and opinions spread then become news or they become what we might think of as fact. And so this is, a, I think, a, a really timely full moon. And the news that's coming out, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, um, seems really appropriate for not just this full moon, but Jupiter in Gemini. So Jupiter is the planetary ruler of Sagittarius. I said Jupiter and Gemini a moment ago. I apologize. I meant Jupiter and Sagittarius. Jupiter is the planetary ruler of Sagittarius. So every sign has its planetary ruler or rulers. And basically how this works is that there's the zodiacal energy. There's the energy of Sagittarius that connotes 
expansion of wisdom, formulation of beliefs and ideologies, um, the quest for meaning. And then there's Jupiter, which acts as an actor. And so Jupiter is the planet, and wherever it happens to be, making whatever aspects it's making, it is seeking to do this. And what it does is it expands things, it magnifies things. In classical astrology, Jupiter is called the Great Benefic. So it brings a lot of something so that we can understand it. Jupiter is also the planetary ruler, the traditional ruler of the sign Pisces. And so Pisces as a feeling is similar to Sagittarius in some ways in that there's an abundance to it. There's a feeling of totality within it, um, but it is more of the emotional uh, flavor, whereas Sagittarius is more of the intuitive or belief kind of fiery flavor. Sagittarius is fire, Pisces is water. But Jupiter rules them both. And so wherever Jupiter is, it is going to magnify our emotional and uh I'm going to say intuitive experience of something. So we're going to get a lot of information and the information is going to come in through vibes. So as Jupiter enters its home sign, Sagittarius, and it will be there for basically the next year until early December of 2019, we will see an expansion of all things Sagittarius. And so some of those things include the education system, you know, the education uh, system in the United States is really long uh, overdue for some kind of overhaul. And um, let's just all take deep breaths and try and remember that the education system as it has been set up, the public school system as it has been set up is based on an industrial model of productivity and military. And it's not actually very helpful for human creativity or expression. And with all of the, the lack of funding and um, basically the destruction of the US public education system uh, over the last 30 some years since Reagan, um, let's just hope that this crumbling is actually going to result in more of a, a creative space and new opportunities being born. And I think that in the next year, we might actually see some really exciting developments in education and new theories of education emerging through practices, etc. Um, Sagittarius also rules borders and foreignness, and you don't need an astrologer to tell you those are hot topics right now, and they will continue to be over the course of the next year, and where Jupiter and Sagittarius uh, also rule courts and high-level judges um, will have tons of litigation and lawsuits and, um, you know, the, the quest to expand and change the law to suit whoever's needs, but focusing on borders and migration and boundaries and belonging. So these are um, Sagittarius themes. Uh, Sag also knew, uh, rules news and broadcasting. And, um, you know, with Sagittarius, we have kind of this idea of the importance of truth and freedom, you know, that they're with all the fire signs, the fire signs want freedom, they want freedom to be themselves, to express themselves, to pursue themselves. And Sagittarius wants the freedom to pursue meaning and pursue truth. Um, currently, we are facing a, a global crisis. And this is an assault on journalists and the freedom of the press. Um, this is 
not new everywhere. This has been going on for a long time in some places like uh, China or North Korea, um, but it is somewhat new in the United States in the sense that um, I, I don't know when it has happened before that a sitting president has actually condoned the murder of a journalist. I think that this has definitely happened more in secret. Um, what was that movie about the Watergate scandal with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman? I'm forgetting it now. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Um, I think that it's definitely happened in secret, probably forever, that politicians um, threaten journalists and and seek to cover up the truth. But the the murder of Jamal Khashoggi um, by basically the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, you know, has been confirmed now by the CIA. And Donald Trump is saying, well. Uh, I'm not going to do anything about it because we have an alliance with Saudi Arabia and they're buying weapons from us and I'm more interested in oil prices than I am in justice or the fact that this person was killed and this is threatening the freedom of the press, not just for um, journalists in the Middle East or in the United States where Jamal lived, but all over the world. And when a large superpower like the United States condones the murder of a journalist, that makes the profession of journalism exponentially more dangerous. And um, I'm going to link a couple of articles from the Embodied Astrology website that are from Democracy Now! And I just want to give a real big shout out to Democracy Now! and, and encourage everybody to tune in to Amy Goodman. I think that she's... Um, probably like one of the best American journalists there is. And that site and channel has been spreading some of the, the best and clearest news that I've really come across. And um, I don't know, donate to them, listen to the podcast, check them out online. Um, but I'll link a couple of articles from um, uh, that site. And these are articles that are actually surrounding um, Facebook, but also dealing with the freedom of the press. And one of them is about um, an independent news network in the Philippines. Um, and another one is about a civil rights group here in the United States that is trying to take on Facebook and Facebook's um, spread of propaganda, basically anti-Semitic and anti-Black propaganda. Um, but these are things to really watch right now because uh, spreading of misinformation and um, the like hunting of journalists is something that has happened before and is definitely happening happening now and has also happened at times that have coincided with uh, Neptune transits, important Neptune transits, particularly Neptune in Pisces. And I'll also link an article that I wrote on Neptune and Pisces. And this is a cycle that tends to uh, amplify nationalism and uh, tyrannies. <laughs> so worldwide movements that um, uh, basically, you know, seek to homogenize and um, erase difference. So these are movements that are obviously happening all over the world right now. 
not just in the United States, not just in the Philippines, not just in Russia, but they're happening all over the world. And um, as you'll read in my article, these tend to coincide with Neptune in Pisces. And Neptune in Pisces is an important placement for the chart of the full moon because the sun and the moon are in applying squares to Neptune. Before they get to Neptune, they're both going to square Mars and Jupiter is as well. And Jupiter will spend the next year traveling through Sagittarius. And during that time, it will form three squares to Neptune in Pisces. And these are times when I think we'll probably see more assaults on the freedom of the press, um, more hyperbole and propaganda, and probably a lot of confusion about what is real. Um, I just want to give a mention to the embodied astrology um, meditation that I've made for, uh, for this podcast. And this is a meditation on um, clearing confusion and getting in touch with your own knowledge, because this is a really confusing time and there isn't one truth. And uh, basically the counterpoint to the kind of confusion that is arising demands presence and tenderness and sensitivity um, and some innate connection with us with sacredness however that should be defined but sacredness in contrast to religion to a form to an ideology ideologies right now are the spreading of misinformation there is like, this is the right way, this is the right way, this is the right way. And then it gets into people's brains and they're interpreting it and, um, you know, using it as platforms for their own opinions and gossip and we're not connecting with each other. And so this feeling of disconnection and mental agitation is I would say the most intense feeling that I get when I'm looking at this chart. There's always the opposition between the sun and the moon that represents a polarity. And the sun in its forming conjunction to Jupiter gives um, this, this polarity and opposition, this like uh, immediately expanding feeling, like we're pushing into the edges of our own knowing and really reaching out. And it's like our brains are hurting and ah, what's real what's real what's real and then both the sun and the moon are in forming squares first to mars then nessus and then neptune so a square energy is conflict it is tense and it is challenging squares between mutable signs so in this case we have uh, mutable fire and air sagittarius and gemini at a square to mutable water, that's Pisces, this is um, a ton of movement. And so there's not a certainty about which way to go. And it's a lot of different things happening at once. And the opposition between Sagittarius and Gemini is an opposition that ignites the mind and really gets our thoughts going and gets us into spaces of conviction. This is Sagittarius. But Pisces is the emotional undercurrent that's everywhere and everybody is susceptible to Pisces. So this is the collective unconscious. It is the emotional soup and Mars has recently entered Pisces and Mars does not function so straightforward in this sign. So Mars's usual function um, or the function that it prefers is to be forward moving, assertive, and kind of a warrior. It's like, this is the thing I want to do. I'm going to go and do it. Pisces, though, is 
this immense, vast emotional uh, current that we never know what direction it's going and it's going every direction at the same time. It's like being in the ocean. And so you can imagine the, the warrior needing to assert themselves, you know, this is the thing I'm going to do. I'm going to go do it. And then they're trying to run through the ocean and that doesn't get you very far, right? Like all you got to do is float. Like if you try and swim too far, you're going to tie yourself out and die. And so Mars and Pisces is this feeling of like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. There's nothing to do. I can't do anything. Which way do I go? And the, the, this growing square feeling, you know, the applying square is this heightened mental agitation and conviction coupled with a sense of not knowing what to do, not knowing where to go, not knowing which way to turn, not knowing what is right, etc. After Mars in Pisces, we have Nessus in Pisces, and Nessus is a centaur planet, and conjunct Mars, there's this feeling of militarization of the themes that Nessus conveys, and Nessus is closely associated with stories of rape and also with stories of addiction. Um, the day that Mars went into Pisces, I read uh, this article about how there's this like multi-billionaire family. I think they're called the Sackler family. I'm forgetting in this moment. But basically, this family is responsible for the opioid crisis. They're the um, owners of a pharmaceutical company that have made oxycodone, and um, they knew it was addictive, right? And they're just you know pushing it into markets because they're greedy motherfuckers and they're getting money. And so with this Mars Nessus conjunction, um, the feeling that I have is both the, the upping and the intensifying of a war on our psyche by this constant onslaught of addiction and distraction, whether that's coming through pharmaceuticals or media or sugar or violence, whatever it is that is tearing us away from our presence, from our humanity, basically. And this is contributing to this heightened, agitated state. Then we have Neptune, and Neptune is retrograde in Pisces, but it's about to turn direct. So Neptune turns direct, um, the I think it's the day or two days after uh, the full moon. And so Neptune has been retrograde in Pisces since May, and Neptune as the modern ruler of Pisces, just like Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius, Neptune in Pisces is in its full strength. So we have... On the one hand, this energy that is all about dissipation of reality, it dissolves reality, it's confusion, it's like, I don't know which way is up and I don't know what to believe in and we feel um, lost a lot of the time and we're immersed in grief and in sensations that we don't understand and overwhelmed and addicted and uh, codependent and you know can't fucking figure out which way is up and so then we don't know what to think and we don't know what the truth is. Um, that's what this square can feel like. On the upside, um, which we'd like to move towards that. Uh, a square energy is productive and it asks us to apply ourselves. It asks us to grow and to move towards resolution and integration. So the best possible uh, outcome of this square and this energy that is 
um, basically coming into a peak point at the full moon and that peak is continuing for the next number of weeks. This is uh, an ongoing um, experience over the next couple of weeks, at least through the full moon cycle. Um, that peak point describes uh, either a, a, a drowning kind of in confusion and not knowing what's real and a total overwhelm, not being able to sort out thoughts and feelings um, and or dropping it dropping all of it, dropping all of the thoughts and getting really present with the feelings to move beyond their reactivity and just getting present. And so Neptune in what I would say is its highest vibration and Pisces in its highest vibration is the recognition of the dreamlike quality of our existence that Neptune describes unreality, the ways that we get confused about what is real, because reality does not in fact exist. We are living in a constructed um, experience. You know, we, we construct our own meanings. We make our own meanings. And whatever the impetus has been, whether it's religion or philosophy or science or necessity, we come up with stories and then we build structures upon those stories. We build governments, we build rules, we build buildings, we build families, we build uh, universities. Everything that is manifest is, is constructed from our human minds. Uh, maybe not nature, but the way that we're interacting with nature certainly. And so what Neptune and Pisces energy teaches us is to get beyond the mind and to expand into the dream state, to wake up within the dream, right? To be lucid in our dream space, to get to decide how we're going to interpret the dream, how we're going to experience it. It's not necessarily that we can control the dream, but we can ask for what we need in it and direct ourselves through it. So that would be the, the best possible outcome of this square. But um, over the course of the next couple of weeks, I really want to encourage everyone to practice presence meditation, um, to you know, do therapy regularly, whether that's with a therapist or with a friend or with yourself, you know, talking to uh, God or the gods of your understanding, get as present as you possibly can, because there's so much information that's swirling through the atmosphere right now. And this information is turning into belief systems and belief systems are turning into propaganda and propaganda is turning into movements and movements are affecting our bodies. And we want to cease the violence. <laughs> we want to cease it in ourselves. We want to cease it in the world around us. And we're not going to cease it by getting more agitated. Um, we're going to cease it by coming into deeper states of presence with ourselves so that we can know what is real inside. And then we can transmit that presence um, to the other people around us. So we, we want to reduce hysteria. 
So the sun and the moon are both in an applying square with Mars and Nessus, and these squares precede um, Jupiter's square to the same points, and and then eventually uh, the moon and the sun will both make squares to Neptune, and then Jupiter will as well, and so that's what I'm going to talk about next. Um, so I was just describing the sensations that go along with these squares. It's kind of this mounting feeling of overload and overwhelm and not knowing what to pay attention to because there's so much to pay attention to. So the moon squares Mars um, basically the day after the full moon. Um, it'll square Mars and Nessus in the early morning and then um, Neptune in the evening, and that's West Coast time. Um, and then the sun squares Mars on December 2nd, and then the sun will square Neptune on December 5th. So from the 22nd through December 5th, um, we have the primary lights, the sun and the moon, in these applying squares to Mars. And during this time, especially because Mercury is retrograde in the same sign that the sun is in, um, this is like maybe one of the, the worst Mercury retrogrades um, that I can remember at least um, in terms of what Mercury retrograde is known for, which is making mistakes and not having clarity because of this square to Mars in Pisces. Um, it's like there's a lot of confusion. And if you're traveling at this time, I'm sorry, just try and travel slowly and bring a lot of snacks because there could be delays um, in as many ways as you possibly can. Try and be quiet, try and move mindfully, and try not to be reactive, especially with your communications, because it's very likely that things will arise in your consciousness and you'll have some kind of conviction and be like, this is real. This is the truth, but that information isn't fully available yet, that your judgment is clouded either because you're inebriated or confused or deluded for whatever reason, maybe your fault, maybe somebody else's, but, you know, just try and give yourself some time. These next couple of weeks uh, have the potential to be really fucking confusing. And then Jupiter is in this applying square with Mars basically from um, now through December 1st. So all of November, there's no exact date that that square is going to perfect, but all of November, um, there's this expansion of conviction, right? Jupiter in Sagittarius is expanding our conviction. It's, it's also expanding the need to know and the desire to ask questions. And that's one way that you can use this energy really in, I would say, more of a helpful way is to to engage yourself with conversation and question that is entered into in the spirit of compassion. You know, I, I really want to understand, like seek out people who are different than you and really try to understand um, what's happening for them and approach them with an air of kindness. Um, you know, we, um, my organization, Sola School, uh, just recently hosted Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams for a workshop in Portland. And I thought that she um, was very succinct in how she was talking about um, the conditioning of white supremacy on uh, our choice making and basically these false binaries that have been set up around difference. But in particular, she was talking about the difference between uh, white people and black people or people of color. But you could apply this to any areas of difference um, where there's this kind of implicit rule about who you can trust and who you can love. 
And like when you perceive this difference, you know, oh, I'm this and you're that, then immediately there kind of arises this blockage and it's like, well, we can't trust each other and we're different and we're not going to get along or you're mad at me and I can never, you know, make it right again or can't forgive you or whatever it is. And what this does is it shuts down our hearts. It builds psychic barriers and it makes choices for us about who we can love. And that in and of itself is such bullshit. It's such a confinement. And so she was promoting this idea of liberation as the liberation from these, uh, th this, uh, conditioning, you know, these constructs that have taken hold of our minds and our hearts and our bodies and our relationships and that keep us apart from one another and that really keep us apart from ourselves, that keep us kind of uh, segmented and segregated in ourselves, that we can't really be whole people because we can't include each other. And I was um, thinking about this a lot over the last couple of days while I'm looking at this full moon chart and thinking, you know, the best way that we can work with this mounting agitation is to let it create more space. Let's not let it shut us down. The dark side of Sagittarius is fundamentalism and fundamentalism is on the rise, really. I think there's more of us than them. I think that there are more people who are curious, who want peace, and who are actually interested in difference and who appreciate diversity than there are fundamentalists and dictator types or supremacists. I think there's more of us than them. But uh, fear has a way of controlling the news. And when we get news uh, that is scary, we contract and we isolate. And that's part of how this propaganda works is it keeps us away from one another. It keeps us from asking questions because we're scared. So one way to counteract that over the next couple of weeks is really to seek out conversations with um, all kinds of different people and to develop and hone your capacity for compassion and like invite a stranger over for Thanksgiving dinner, you know, or invite a group of strangers to get together and uh, have a day of mourning for the indigenous genocide that's occurred all throughout the year and, and excuse me, all throughout our history and um, come together, you know, mourn by coming together, by finding connection. Um, Jupiter will square Neptune again in January from the 12th through the 16th. And at that time, Jupiter will also be trying to Mars and Mars will be in Aries. This is a transit that I'm a little nervous about in terms of militarization around, uh, news networks and the way that news is used um, upon the populace. Um, definitely just keep an eye on those dates, January 12th through 16th. And between now and then, uh, send a bunch of money to Democracy Now! and do whatever you can to um, help support the freedom of the press. It's really important that we can actually get news and it's also really important that we are getting news directly by talking to people so put yourself out there to meet people and to converse with them jupiter will also square neptune in june from the 14th through the 21st it'll be retrograde during that period it will also square neptune uh, all of september um, of next year there's no exact date but um, they'll basically be within one or two degrees 
Um, so to summarize this quality, this is the, the choice between misinformation, delusion, and hyperbole, and the weaponization of truth and perspective, as opposed to presence, tenderness, sacredness, and the remembrance of a shared ancestry, right? Like we all come from the stars. We all have bodies that experience hunger and cold and suffering and, and loneliness. And when we can uh, develop compassion for one another, um, we can solve a lot of problems. But if we're in a deluded state and thinking that you know other people are out to get us, um, we're, we're part of the problem. And I know that that's hard if, if, we, if I consider myself a peacemaker and then I'm trying to deal with someone that I'm perceiving as a warmonger. How to perceive their humanity is a really challenging thing. Um, and it feels like a, a conundrum, you know, that um, it feels like there's definitely the need for a certain type of militance right now. But that militance is in um, refusing to... Uh, buy into it, you know, refusing to harden oneself against another living being. Um, for me, that's what it feels like. It, it definitely does feel militant, but it doesn't feel um, like I'm going to uh, weaponize myself. It feels like I am every day more and more convinced that I need to do everything that I possibly can do to support humanity and and love and a coming together of people and um, in the guided meditation for this full moon that's kind of what I'm focusing on is how to get out of spaces of confusion that tear us up from the inside that distract us um let's see I had some notes about this aspect um in the California fires um I don't know if I'm going to go into that so much except just to say um Hello to all of you who are there um, or who are not there anymore, but um, are, are coming from there, or maybe es escaping from there. Um, I, I want to say that, you know, one of the notes that I had made was about how um, I was reminded the other day that forest fires and um, wildfires are indigenous, right? They're natural to the West Coast of the United States um, and that fire is a cleansing element, but that human development has made these fires really dangerous. Um, we haven't taken care of forests properly, properly, and then we've built all these structures, and a lot of those structures are really toxic and flammable. Um, and so then fires become really dangerous. And then, of course, there's like a lot of us and a lot of development, and so the fires are dangerous for the humans. Um, that's just one thought. Uh, another thing just to say is that there are thousands of prisoners who are um, wards of the California State Penitentiary System, and they are being paid something like 53 cents or a dollar an hour to fight these fires. And these are people who most probably upon their release from prison will not be hired uh, as firefighters. And you know, being a firefighter is a hard job, but there's a lot of benefits. Like you get pretty good health benefits and life insurance and stuff. And these prisoners will not be eligible for those jobs, but they are put into basically slave labor. 
And so that's just something to pay attention to and um, to put your efforts towards, um, you know, first of all, building awareness around the mistreatment of prisoners and um, the prison industrial complex as a money-making machine in the United States. And then second of all, towards prison abolition and basically thinking of a better idea because they uh, the prisons are working to make money for the people who own them and they're working to spread this idea of uh, bad people versus good people, which often um, rolls out as black people and white people because it's primarily... Um, black and brown people who are imprisoned in the United States, uh, but it doesn't do much for the people who are incarcerated. It doesn't do much to help them either resolve what's happening to attend to the trauma and the mental illness that many of them are experiencing, often because of poverty and violence in the situations that they're growing up in, um, and it certainly doesn't do much to help them upon re-entry. Okay, so some of the last things I'm going to talk about um, with this full moon include Mercury retrograde. Since Mercury is the planetary ruler of Gemini, then Mercury is a really important actor in this chart, and Mercury is also opposite to the moon. It is approaching a conjunction with the sun because it is in Sagittarius, and therefore Mercury retrograde is a really big energy in this full moon. At the time of the full moon, Mercury is also in an applying square with Nessus and Mars and in a fading square with Neptune. So this feeling of confusion is amplified. It is tripled, quadrupled, uh, <laughs> expanded infinitely because Mercury retrograde is a sensation of the mind moving backwards. And so for a lot of us, this is actually going to be a, a process of revelation um, in the Sagittarius season planner, I write about something that's happening on December 8th, which is Chiron turning direct. Um, and this feeling that I have that a lot of um, news finally seeps into places where it hasn't reached before and that there's like more awareness that gets developed. But this process of the mind turning in on itself can be a very confusing time. Um, so... Mercury and its retrograde, um, this is basically a 116-day cycle that Mercury has approximately around the sun. And because Mercury, as well as Venus, they're inner planets, they're closer into the sun, from our point of view here on Earth, they will never oppose the sun. They're always moving closer to it. Um, but they appear and reappear either as morning or evening lights. And so where Mercury is right now is it has just turned retrograde. It turned retrograde on November 17th. And um, on Tuesday, November 27th, it'll make what's called its inferior conjunction to the sun. And so on this day, Mercury is about halfway through its retrograde cycle and it conjuncts the sun. And that day, November 27th, is the beginning of a new Mercury cycle. So where we are right now is in this moment of questioning, and that questioning is going to lead to the seeding of some kind of new belief system, right? Because we're working with Sagittarius. And so what we have with Sagittarius are our belief systems. So when Mercury comes into contact with the sun, it comes into contact with the light of consciousness moving through the sign of infinite intelligence and wisdom. And then our small minds, Mercury's, um, kind of get il illuminated by this light. 
And this happens at four degrees Sagittarius. So you can check your natal charts too and see if you have any interesting placements around four degrees of Sag or any of the mutable signs. And that will be particularly important to you. Um, I've been thinking a lot about Mercury in its relationship to the Prometheus myth. And you might remember Prometheus as um, one of the Greek gods uh, or figures um, who, I think he, he was one of the Titans who stole fire from the gods. And Prometheus is like the, in some of the stories, is the creator of humankind. And uh, his brother created, I think this is how the story goes, his brother Epimetheus created all of the other animals and gifted all of them with like their wonderful traits, like their fur and their shells and their claws and the ability to live on the planet. And then by the time they got to humans, uh, there was nothing left to give. And so we have um, this frail animal with like very thin skin and ill-equipped to, to live naked upon the face of the earth. Um, but then humans are endowed with uprightness in the quote-unquote image of the gods and opposable thumbs, etc. Um, and then they are given fire. They're given the gift of fire. And fire here is symbolic for ideas and intuition and the ability to enact those ideas upon the earth. And this is the fire element in astrology. So all of the fire signs, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius, have to do with the ways that we each feel ourselves as personal embodiments of the divine. So the god, goddess of your understanding or spiritual force of your understanding. Basically, we have creative capacity. We identify ourselves and then we seek to create in our own image or from our own likeness or from our unique expression. And we seek to promote those ideas upon the earth in whatever way that we do and everybody does in some way or another. So Aries would be the ego identity. Leo is the, the heart and the personality expression. And then Sagittarius is um, the fire that spreads. It's how we get excited about things, how we see the opportunity in something. Um, I've been going on my kind of regular hikes in uh, the park near my house and appreciating the light of Sagittarius. We're getting into the darkest time of, of the year. And um, if I'm hiking at 4 p.m., a couple of months ago, it was still fully light. And now my eyes are really needing to search to make out where the trail is and make sure that I'm not um, tripping over something that's buried underneath a pile of leaves. And it's like these last kind of bursts of color are in the leaves. And this is the light of Sagittarius. It's like, what is that over there? Oh, it could be anything, you know, this possibility. So in the myth of Prometheus, he steals fire from the gods to give to humans, basically to subsidize their frailty. And then fire forges um, metal. And then human go, humans go through all these eras, like the Silver Age and the Bronze Age. And now we're in the Iron Age. And the Iron Age is an age of suffering and misery, where humans enact their will upon one another, and um, they are subservient and oppressive. And um, I was in this book that I was reading, it was kind of dire. It's like only when humans get to the place where they feel absolutely no pity in their heart for one another, you know, then they'll cease to exist and uh, they'll be remade by Zeus or something like that. It's like, oh, geez. Um, anyway, in the, the myth of Prometheus, uh, he's punished for stealing fire from the gods and Zeus chains him to a mountaintop. 
where this eagle comes and eats his liver out every day and then his liver is regenerated so that the eagle can come and eat it out the next day and i just thought this was very interesting because sagittarius um uh, excuse me jupiter has rulership in medical astrology over the liver and um so i was thinking about well how does the liver relate to jupiter and sagittarius energy and the liver is an organ that you know that we don't even know how much stuff it does like all the things that the liver does would fill an entire volume a to z encyclopedias like those old encyclopedias it does so many different things but basically what the liver does is it processes information and so all of the stuff that comes into your body whether it's coming in through liquids through solids through the air through your skin it's going into the liver and the liver is sorting it out and figuring out what to do with it. And this is basically the function of Sagittarius. Like when we think of Sagittarius as belief systems and news and broadcasting and the dissemination of information and the accumulation of wisdom, this is kind of what your liver does. <laughs> you know, your liver absorbs things and it decides what to do with them. And I would say that from an energetic standpoint, working with people's bodies, belief systems are often held in the liver, like in this place in the kind of upper right abdomen is a place where belief systems are often held, where it's like, oh, I'm a bad person or whatever, you know, core belief systems tend to solidify around that space. Um, so this idea of Prometheus and the moment that Mercury is in is in what's called the Promethean retrograde. So it's in this place where it's going like towards the light of consciousness, towards the light of God, quote unquote God, and it's going to steal some fire. And this is new insight. And then Mercury will reach the point of its turn direct on December 5th. It'll station and then it'll start to move forwards. And um, all through December, it's retracing its steps and it's kind of uh, accumulating this fire. And then we'll have the next however many months it is, three months or so, until the next Mercury cycle, next 116 days-ish, um, to work with this wisdom work with this idea that we're picking up so although mercury retrograde has uh, a myth around it around um, mistakes and miscommunications and those are all i've found them to be somewhat true and at least a good thing to take note of Mercury retrograde is also a really important time where our minds can turn in on themselves and they can retrieve some kind of god wisdom and then what we do with that wisdom is the thing. What do we make with it? Are we going to make something that breeds more suffering? Are we going to make something that is expansive and that's generous? Are we going to make something that's fundamental and hard? What are we going to do with the wisdom and the questions that we have? So notice what's happening for you on Tuesday, November 27th. This is the the day that Mercury basically becomes a morning light, and it's when it is seated uh, with the consciousness of the sun from November 27th through December 5th. This is a week where there's a lot of fast ideas happening, potentials, eagerness, impulsiveness, new, 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 new. Um, that's also when Mercury is in its storm. It's about to turn direct. It's not a time to act upon your ideas. It is a time to write them down 
And then after Mercury leaves its shadow, basically Christmas Day, um, start to think about which ideas have stuck and what you want to work with. And remember the myth of Prometheus. It's like you get insight, you get ideas, and then you can do something with them. Um, but there is no doing that's not going to lead to some kind of of suffering, really. I mean, this is the law of karma. It's like we do the things that we think we should do, and um, we never have the the full story, the complete story. And so it's good practice, you know, if we're going to take um, wisdom from the mythology, it's good practice to honor the, the unknown with whatever it is that we're doing to kind of give up um, uh, the, I don't know, the control, so to speak, and to ask for the best possible manifestation to come through. And I believe that if you're listening to this podcast, that this is what you want. So for me, at least before I launch new projects or um, really start to take any action that feels significant, I spend like 30 seconds and just have a little prayer of like, may I do no harm? You know, may I really act with as much awareness as possible? May I listen to my intuition? May I be guided in presence? And may I do no harm? Ah, it's always the prayer. Okay. So just a couple more things I want to get to. I'm going to go a little over the hour. Um, as we get into the culmination of this full moon cycle, um, moving towards the next new moon, we're in a building grand trine in water. So a forming grand trine in water. And this will be exact on the next new moon. So I'll definitely be talking about it then. Um, but just in brief right now, we'll, we'll have a grand trine between um, the north node at 27 degrees of Cancer, Mercury, which turns direct um, that day uh, at 27 degrees of Scorpio and then Chiron at 27 degrees of Pisces and Chiron will turn direct two days later. And so this is a lot of emotional information coming through. And so when I was talking about, okay, information comes in and then we start to absorb it and then we figure out what it means to us and we figure out what we want to do about it. This is coming in the next couple of weeks along with the, the anxiety and the overwhelm and this feeling of a lot of information and what is possible uh, throughout this full moon cycle is actually more emotional clarity and learning and a sense of direction that can come in. But that sense of direction will be much more sustainable, will be much more real if you're coming to it through practices of presence and compassion. If over the next couple of weeks you um, encourage and support uh, hyperbole and anxiety and agitation, you go, 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 and it's really, really chattery and noisy and da 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 um, you, you might have conviction that is unfounded. You might make decisions that are misplaced. So if you can, over the next couple of weeks, I know I um, would always say this at any time, like practice mindfulness, but especially over the next couple of weeks, it's really important because the astral energy is so intense and there's so much of it. And there's a lot of opportunity in that, but there's also a lot of potential for confusion and missteps. Um, so please use the guided meditation for this full moon or any of the guided meditations in the Sagittarius season playlist or any um, meditation of any kind with other people. Um, November 30th and December 1st, Venus will form an opposition to Uranus that is recently uh, moved back into late Aries. 
So Uranus moving back into the later degrees of Aries recalls uh, situations that you may have been going through or we may have been experiencing in April of this year, 2018, and throughout the summer of 2017. Last summer was the summer of the big eclipses. And um, Uranus moving back to these points, which it will from now through January, um, is the recollection of these periods of time, and it is a resolution for freedom. It's also a resolution for disruption, and I'm going to talk about that in just one second. But first, Venus in opposition to Uranus, um, uh, November 30th and December 1st, recalls its previous oppositions, September 12th and 13th, and October 30th and 31st. And if you have been dealing with issues around love and money, um, typically this is Venus issues, you know, relationships that you're in, um, any kinds of relationships, it doesn't, you know, not just romantic relationships, but where you're seeking connection or where you're trying to understand values or value systems or where you're having some kind of relationship with attachments, uh, Venus in opposition to Uranus is really wanting to support us, support you to get free of misguided attachments and to come into personal power. And I, I want to say here that personal power is sometimes releasing power. In fact, a lot of times it's releasing power that, you know, a, a misinterpretation of power is dominance and control. And sometimes the, the most powerful thing you can do is to give power away. Um, and I would say this, like, especially for anyone in a position of privilege, like if you hold uh, a really important job or something like that, like when you're in a place where you're seeking to maintain your role as the most powerful, you're actually not in your power. You're in a space of control and you don't get to be a full human. You don't get to be supported by a community around you. You don't get to fucking relax. And sometimes, you know, if there are lots of people around you who have as much, if not more skill than you do in the jobs that you do, and you could delegate or give your job away or give resources away and allow people to help you, or maybe even take a step back and take a supporting role instead. And this will have the lived experience effect of actually coming into more power because you gain yourself. Um, so I, I just want to say that, that uh, over the course of the next couple weeks with this Venus opposite Uranus, I guess it's just a week and a half or so, there's a question of power. And this question of power um, may have ties to things that were coming up in mid-September and also in the end of October. And there's this question of power and agency and autonomy, but also freedom and connection and relationship. So get in right relationship with power. Share your power and uh, be empowered together. Um, so to close, I'm going to talk about disruption and Uranus uh moving back into the late degrees of Aries. And I want to close here because in the full moon chart that I'm using, which is the full moon chart in Portland, Oregon, where I happen to be, so this is my interpretation, Uranus and Eris uh, hold the midheaven. And the midheaven is the highest point of the chart and it is the direction that we're going. So Eris is this really cool new planet planetoid that was discovered in the early 2000s and demoted Pluto from its planet status. Pluto was the 
Poobah of the planets. It was the god of death. And then Iris came along. She was originally named Xena for Xena warrior princess and then got renamed Iris. And in Greek mythology, Iris is the goddess of disruption. And there's a, there's a story about her um, basically not being invited to this party where all the gods and goddesses are attending. And so she fashions this golden apple that says to the fairest of them all and throws the apple into the middle of the party. And then all the goddesses want to be the fairest of them all and they start fighting over this apple. And then a war breaks out and discord breaks out. And this is the beginning of some epic war in the you know myth canon. Um, but Iris, I have been thinking about this point a lot and there's starting to be more research and theorizing on what Iris is, but because it's a new point, um, there's not really a decision yet, but the, the story that I like the most about Iris is the discord that arises in order to break the old system. And so as a feminist astrologer, interpreting myths that come out of a patriarchal canon, right? Like Greek mythology is definitely um, male supremacist mythology. Thinking about this story, it's like Iris is cast in this um, pretty unflattering light as uh, someone who is seeking to disrupt the status quo. But chaos is nature, right? Like chaos is inevitable and discord uh, happens when there's a dominant order that doesn't work for everyone. And one of the things about Iris is that the discovery of this planet basically unlocked this huge belt. And since then, um, thousands, thousands of objects, tens of thousands of uh, interstellar objects, planetoids, asteroids, etc., have been discovered. And so with Iris, we have in the early 2000s, we have the um, rise of the internet and like digital communications as pretty much a ubiquitous feature in many people's lives, not everyone, but in a lot of people's lives. And uh, dis uh, distraction um, and uh, dispersion of information that comes from that. So all of a sudden you can basically, you know, talk to someone in China, like in a second and share news with them. And so we have this platform that can spread disinformation and misinformation as well as connection. And, um, you know, because of the internet and digital technologies, there's been a lot of movement building and people who are uniting and coming together and finding each other and sharing stories and gaining momentum. Like the Me Too movement would not have happened without Twitter, right? Like this, these are stories that are old, like old, old, old stories has been happening for fucking ever. But because of Twitter, because of the way that information spreads so fast through social media, then we have a movement. And this, uh, you know, same could be true for Black Lives Matter, you know, that it was a hashtag, it started as a hashtag. And so when one of the ways that I'm thinking about Iris is as disruptive technologies, um, and also disruptive peoples, and the rising of peoples who are, you know, unhappy with the status quo because it's not working for them. And Reverend Angel um, was saying something in her visit, and then I read some quote that Shani Nicholas shared today, um, and I don't remember exactly the words, but it's basically like um, the system that we're in is not broken. 
it's working as it was designed. Like we are living in a system that was designed to work and privilege a very few people and to oppress and discriminate against most people. And the system is working. It's not that the system is broken. It's actually working quite well. And so in the spirit of discord, then what we need is to break the system. Actually, we need to tear it down. We need to do something else because it's not fucking working. Our education system doesn't work. Our healthcare system doesn't work. Our economic systems and bank systems and loan systems don't work. Our environmental policies don't work. Certainly our systems of governance don't work for most people. We need new options. And uh, I definitely don't want to condone violence and disruption in that way. But I do want to say that, you know, throwing um, some kind of, uh, (laughs) I don't know, like stick into the wheel or whatever it is, the golden apple into the party and uh, disrupting the system is something that we can each do in our lives. And this opposition between Venus and Uranus Iris is also forming a T-square to Pluto and Vesta and Capricorn. And this is the changing of um, governance and the changing of the world order. But with Vesta there, it's also devotion. And I would say it's devotion to the old ways. And these are old ways that go beyond patriarchy. I want to say that these are um, the ways that we are all indigenous. So to come back to this idea of every single one of us has a lineage and ancestry that is healthy. And even for us white people, you know, that we don't know where we come from. And a lot of what we come from is, uh, you know, the oppressive and colonizing forces. We have our own indigenous roots. We have the witches, we have the sorcerers, we have the medicine uh, people, the healers. And they were also colonized. And so we come from those lineages as well. And the system that we're living in doesn't work for any of us. And so the more we can disrupt it, the more we can start new things. So um, with this opposition, with Venus here, how we can disrupt it comes through relationship. It comes through conversation. It comes through connection. And it comes through harmonizing. The, the, The system the man, the whatever, the way that it's working is by keeping us apart from one another and keeping us fearful of one another. There are more of us than them. So in whatever ways you can, create disruptive strategies by getting together with people who are different or getting together with people who are similar and creating more opportunities for difference to thrive, for diversity to thrive. Um, Amongst all of us here, we've got so much wisdom and intelligence and answers And when we get into right relationship with power, when we learn to share power, to seed power, to support empowerment of other people, and not just clamor for our own power, right, the fairest of them all, um, (laughs) then we can take over the system, we can make a new thing. And that to me is the purpose of this moment of all of this distraction and upheaval and confusion. It's because it doesn't work anymore. So it's confusing. What do we do next? Get present, connect, do something new. 
Um, okay, I'm going to leave it there for now. I've gone over the hour that I usually try and stick to. So um, thank you so much for listening. Please use the guided meditation. I are, I've also made um, a playlist of meditations for Sagittarius season. If you sign up at embodiedastrology.com to be a monthly subscriber, you will get a copy of the Sagittarius season planner and you can start applying um, astrological insight into your daily life and plans. Um, also with Indigenous Peoples Day, please consider donating money, food, time, and support of Indigenous peoples wherever you happen to be, um, and also in remembrance of your own Indigenous ancestry and in as many ways as possible into healing that ancestry. Um, remember that Indigenous people, at least in the United States, are 400 times more likely to not have enough food to eat. So if you are... Um, if you have benefited uh, from your privilege, consider sharing it as much as you possibly can, giving your money, giving your time, giving your resources. And um, thanks again for listening. The audio horoscopes are available to you, and I will catch you in a couple of weeks at the next new moon. Until then, bye for now.